Okay, everybody. I want to welcome you to a very special episode of the Kasteha podcast. Uh, time once again to call someone cool. And holy crap, Tom Rhodes. Let's give him a call, everybody. Hello. Hello there. This is Daniel Reskin. Yes. Hey, I'm good. How are you doing? Fantastic. First question answered perfectly. How are you? Okay, good. Great, man. Wait. I'm in uh, Lake Tahoe at um, the Improv at Casino, and um, on the 15th floor, I got a suite looking out onto uh, Lake Tahoe in the mountains. It's gorgeous. Wow, things could be a lot worse. Yeah, exactly. And so, when do you come into Florida? Monday. Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be great. Um, you know, um, my family's all in Florida, so. Right, right. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, uh, I'm really good friends with Lisa Correo, and she was, t- I was asking her, uh, I know you two know each other, so I was talking to her about, like, you know, stuff to ask and things like that, and she mentioned that as well. Cool. Yeah, Lisa's one of my favorite human beings on the planet. Oh, you too. Yeah, she. Are you a I, I am a comedian too, yeah. She's like, she's taking me on the road. I'm a Miami comic. I've been doing comedy down here for like seven years and I'm about to move to Denver in uh, next year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, Lisa's great like that. She's helped out a lot of people. Oh, she's a mentor, a, a sister, mother of comedy to so many people. Yeah. And now she's doing, doing awesome in New York. Yeah, exactly. She's what? She's based there. This, yeah, officially, essentially. Yeah, another uh, guy, another guy who's month in Los Angeles, and he's kicking some ass. Yeah, you, you saw the Conan. He was. I didn't see it, but I, he did it, which is phenomenal. Exactly, man. We were all just so pumped for him down here. Did you see it? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Forrest and Lisa were two of the people who did like the the rooms I started down here way back when, and gave me so much advice and everything. Like there, seeing them do well is. It's just like I was walking on air for a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's great, man. When good things happen to good people. Totally. But, you know, enough about them. They're good people, but they're not the people we're here to talk to. <laughs> so they can stuff so, it. Uh, how did, how did, uh, what is, how did Lisa brief you on me? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> she mentioned two things just about, uh, one, uh, she said, ask about your family mini golf tournaments. And um, also, if Epcot, living near Epcot, inspired you to travel so much. Those were the two Lisa questions. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, uh, I'm from Florida, and I grew up in uh, Oviedo, a small town outside of Orlando. Mm. And uh, I come from a very competitive uh, family. I have two older brothers and my dad, and uh, we play miniature golf to the death and it's, um, it's not a um, enjoyable family experience for us we, um, we actually have a family trophy uh, yeah. that, uh, that uh, the champion gets to, to have so we uh, whenever we can get our whole family together we 
a throwdown. What, what does it look like? Gets your adrenaline pumping all of a sudden. Yeah, you know, work on the, the bank shots into the clown nose and destroy my family when I get a chance. <laughs> Do you think you'll get that chance in this trip? Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. It's a good question. Because <laughs> you're going to be in Florida for a little while. I know you're doing... Uh, Dom, Dominic Prinzen connected me to you for you're doing his open stage club in uh, Coral Gables December 12th. And uh, and you're also doing, I think, Comedy Inn or um, a couple other rooms, hopefully, you're stringing together. Yeah, you know, Comedy Inn and then the Black Box Theater mm. in Fort Pierce. And then um, I'm doing the Tropical Cinema in Key West. Oh, nice. Working your way all the way down. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Because, right, that segues perfectly into travel. I mean, you are... if. Among the, the traveliest comedians, if not the traveliest comedian? Day stretch. Yeah. yeah. Wow. What was your experience doing? I mean, that was your first time, huh? I would have. I would. That I'd surprises me. You know. I'd gone there just to check it out and do some sets, but I had never been officially a part of the program doing uh, an hour solo show. So I did the hour solo show. It was great. I had a great theater. I got great reviews. Um, I mean, it rained twenty six out of the thirty days I was there, but. It's really inspiring as a performer because there's just thousands of shows going on. So, you know, it's really intense. You have to do a lot of interviews and tons of press to, to mm-hmm. and, and you got reviewers in every night from, from the very critical British newspapers. And, um, you know, fortunately, I, I had great reviews. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot of comedians that do it, and you can see they're absolutely miserable. They're losing money. Mm-hmm. They're not getting crowds. But um, even though the weather sucked and it rained the whole time, um, I, it was phenomenal. I loved it. It was um, great to, you know, have an hour every night in a beautiful theater without some opening act fouling up the bathwater. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, I saw multiple shows every day. I saw, you know, plays, one-man shows, a musical, I saw, and then just 
out with comedians from all over the world every night. It's really, what per- uh, it's inspiring, man. What what percentage would you say of it is comedy compared to everything else? Hey, I don't know, because I mean, because it, it's just kind of all over, right? Shows, I don't know. It should be tapped. Hmm. Well, yeah. What? How? How do you think your show differed from night one to night thirty? Um, or did you keep it pretty consistent? No, I mean it definitely. That's why a lot of the English comedians, you know, they'll run it for months, and that's why they always see people do. Uh, it's called. He'll be doing his Edinburgh preview show. You always see um, in the UK Edinburgh preview shows where people are working on their hour. Mm. Fortunately, you know I'm a headliner, so I'm doing an hour every night. So for a lot of acts, they're not used to doing an hour every night. So I think it's a little bit of a jump. But mm. um, so you didn't stick you to know, the same. For me, the you didn't, biggest yeah. problem was containing it all in an hour. Right. So uh, and. and you know, um, I just, I cut out all the fat, any, anything that was like a medium laugh, I got rid of, um, and just, you know, went for the hardest hitting megaton bum stuff I could drop on these people. <laughs> cool. So it wasn't necessarily the same set every night, but you just gave them, you know, the best of the Rolodex and the new stuff and yeah, but whatever it was. First week, Because, mm-hmm. I mean, even you're in Scotland, so it's even different than playing in England. And, you know, I, 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 play, I do these gigs internationally, and it's, for me, there's nothing more exciting than going from a different country and then you having to adjust on the spot. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, I mean, like, what's funny in Ireland might not be that funny in England. And then yeah. um, I just got back. I just did a Like, if, you, if you go up there with half of a show idea, uh-huh. then maybe. But then you're leaving too much for the critics. You know, because the critics really, they only come the first two weeks. So if you're working on something, uh, in my opinion, you're, you're, you're screwed. You're really leaving yourself um, vulnerable. Sure, sure. Maybe that 30 days is a lot more impactful to artists that haven't worked the road doing those kinds of sets for so long, you know. It's a little, a little less... Uh, you know, daunting for you. Yeah, I guess, you know, maybe just because I'm comfortable doing an hour every night. I think. Exactly. Like in London, the comedians do 20 minute sets every night. In New York City, it's like 15 minute, 20 minute sets. You know, mm. so, um, yeah, not a lot yeah. of people get to stretch out for that one. 
So do you think you'll do it again? I will, but only... I won't do it next year. Um, because I don't even know there was any watery act. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it would be a long month if you had an act that you didn't really believe in. Um, you know, I, I, I went there with my artist hidden stuff, and then I only want to go back with, with hard hitting stuff, you know? Right. There's a lot of, a lot of, there's a lot of comedians that do it every year, and, you know, the people kind of take them for granted, and then the, um, the reviewers, you know, which is crucial to getting an audience, um, Mm. You know, you're not you're not going to come up with a brilliant hour every year. You know, and then you always hear about these Edinburgh shows where people, you know, they they do some big bloodletting, talk hmm. about you know their uncle molested them or some the, the worst thing that ever happened to them. Right. And you know that, that's not that's not the reason I became a comedian. I didn't become a comedian to get on stage and cry about the worst things that ever happened to me. No one man show. I had a lot of tragedies in the last couple of years. My sister died of breast cancer mm. in 2011, and my dad was killed by a drunk driver in 2009. And you know, it's uh, I'm still processing it. I don't I don't find either um, event particularly funny. And to to have some little sad, tearful moment in an Edinburgh show, I think would um, um, sell out their memory and the very reason I became a comedian in the first place. Hmm. Right. No reason to force something like that, especially when it's already perceived as hackneyed among those. Well, and if you're gonna like manufacture the sad moment yeah. every night at the exact same spot, right. you're gonna cry. Which some some of the comedians do it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and you see, you go see the show, and that's another great thing about. I would go to the Edinburgh Festival just as a tourist, because it's so great. Just because there's so many great shows but you really got to study the programs and like figure out like you know mm-hmm. what shows you want to see and, and you're rushing from one show to another um, during the thing but you see shows and you're like oh wow that guy has to have that little sad cry at that moment at the 43 minute mark every night mm-hmm. and you know you're not going to be feeling that every night it's inorganic it's a, it's a hell of an act out yeah it's like that one-man show, John Leguizamo, Billy Crystal kind of territory. No, those kind of shows I love. I mean, not, I didn't, I, I, the Billy Crystal, I don't know what you're talking about, but right. uh, New York, one-person solo show like John Leguizamo uh, and Eric Bogosian, Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Bogosian's Freak was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like Mike Trabiglia. There, there was a girl from New York called Lucy Pohl and she did a show called High Hitler and she's from New York and her show there was very much of that kind of school that's totally different uh, that's not that's that's different from stand-up comedy that's that's right these people are doing straight stand-up and all of a sudden injecting this like tearful weird realness out right. of nowhere right. know, well, I, 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 the hour solo show with characters and great acting like Licky Azamo or um uh, Eric Bogosian, uh, mm-hmm. there's loads of that in Edinburgh, which I absolutely love. I saw, and that's what is inspiring mm-hmm. when you go and you can go watch shows like this. And, um, and it's, it, it, that, that is incredible. Right. I'm talking about, I'm talking about a comedian. 
having a sad little moment in an hour show that is otherwise just jokes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Very that's, that, that's, that's inorganic. Right. Well, cool. Um, you know, comedy, what is it? Tragedy plus time, right? That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, one shining day. Right, you you laugh and somehow you know do that laugh with her in a way, even though she's not here technically. It'd be like, you know, any good joke about someone in your family is kind of a a little tribute, I suppose. But again, that's some comedians would never ever talk about something so personal. But you are one of those comedians, so it seems like eventually you will. Well, moving on. Uh, speak the uh, the travel. The, one of the only other travelist comedians, Greg Proops, uh, who you recently defeated when you won the internet. How fucking cool is that? I must congratulate you. <laughs> Thanks. How does it feel to have won the internet? Uh, I would like everyone to give me a dollar now. <laughs> Just one dollar. You've, be- uh, you've become spam. All right. <laughs> I came up with this time and 
they cut a lot of things out for time, but on the hashtag wars, I destroyed on both of those games. <laughs> so um, I didn't even know, I was so into the game, and like my family with the miniature golf, um, oh. you know, I'm, I'm not a fun person to play games with because I'm so competitive. Hmm. And, um, oh, sorry, I didn't take a picture of this rainbow. <laughs> so anyway, Please. I had no idea that I was winning by that large of a margin. Yeah, I, I saw the score before. I was just so focused on, on like, giving answers, and then you have to hit your little button, like, on Jeopardy, for when you did the hashtag wars. So I was just, like, gunning all these, boom, boom, boom. And uh, and then it got to the end when it was time to kick somebody off, and they go, it's a tie. And I was like, oh, shit, I've tied. And I looked down, and no, it was a tie between them. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, and you were, like, two grand ahead of them. provocative or something i don't know i don't know because no they i love at midnight i'm huge fans of them but they did uh i know like Artie lang was scheduled to be on the show but then he messed up on twitter and had some uh, stupid thing and they you know took re revoked it well, that is the one thing i learned about it from the first time hmm. i got the last time i did it um i got a couple of the biggest laughs of the taping was a little too dirty and they cut it out mm. so so this time I knew just where to keep it right under the line <laughs> so um, so I mean that's a, it's you know it's just like any game once you learn the rules a little bit you know where to play within the um, the guidelines yeah that's awesome well it's, it's cool to hear you had a, had a good experience on it right I'm sure you'll, you'll be on it again soon I imagine. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna be back in January, and I'm gonna um, 
uncomfortable the first time, but this time I was even more comfortable. So it's really, really fun show to do. You're, you're, and I, don't, I think that it's it's just a great writing exercise as a comedian. Because like I said, you only got a couple hours to come up with your... When I first saw it, I was like, oh, shit. How can these comedians come up with <laughs> these questions on these answers on the spot? Right. So obviously they, they, they give you a little time, but it's only a couple of hours. Mm. So, um... And you know you don't want to look bad, so you also you got adrenaline and fear, and just all this great ingredients that makes for great comedy. I mean, adrenaline <laughs> and fear and um, the internet, you know, yeah, not wanting to to lose. It's great. I actually interviewed uh, W. Kamau Bell not too long ago when he came down for the <laughs> South Beach Comedy Festival. Beautiful man. That's cool. just, it's a shame his show didn't last because um, I, I think that um, biased is, is, I mean, look at the world, look at America right now. Right? Oh my God. I mean, we need that, we need that show more than ever right now. It's yeah. an open conversation about race in this country. Mm. And he's a good friend of mine. And, um, uh, and I, I, I saw him that shortly after they, they pulled the plug on, on that. And I, and I, you know, I said, you know, the, like the Trayvon Martin thing had happened. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I felt like, I thought it was beautiful the way they, they handled it and talked about it. Yeah. But the, the sad part about that is that they'll beat another Trayvon next month. They'll be, they'll be another Michael Brown next month. They'll be another Eric Gardner next month. That story just keeps happening over and over in the United States. So, I don't, and you know, and it, a network like FX, FX, I mean, that's a ballsy network mm-hmm. where they're trying different experimental stuff. So, I mean, I, 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 I find it completely mystifying. That, um, and then the show was produced by Chris Rock. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. that, there's just, there, there's just some things about um, show business and entertainment that make no sense at all. So, if you're going to dedicate your life to it, you have to um, understand that uh, everything in show business was designed to hurt your feelings and that good ideas don't always um, come to fruition or even last. Hmm. That's that's good to hear from you because, I mean, you've had one of the most uh, unique career among comedians and just kind of doing your own thing. Uh, as opposed to so many comedians these days, especially the younger crop, they're so focused on this perceived set of rules or guidelines that you have to do steps A, B, and C to become George Carlin or something like that, rather than just realizing that everyone needs to find their own path. Did you always mean to choose your own path, or did you just kind of fall into not agreeing with the, the mainstream thing? Comedians. It was really bad comedians <laughs> in Florida in the 80s. 
but I mean, actually, all these people that were starting, I mean, I mean, now Florida's I think has a great reputation because um, you know Brian Reek and uh, I mean, Daniel Tosh, Kreischer, Kreischer, Mitch Hedberg um, came from here. Started out in Florida. Ah, okay. But Hedberg was from St. Cloud, Minnesota. Ah. Um, Don't forget Larry the Cable uh, Guy. Larry the Cable Guy, Carrot Top, uh, what's the guy from, I'm I'm blanking, um, anyway. Forrest Shaw, Lisa Correo, Al Jackson. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so like now, there's a brilliant, a lot of brilliant comedians, but. Yeah. um, Back then, not so much. Back then, you know, I couldn't, and it's that certain kind of Florida, I, I, I don't know, man. It just, you know, I had, and I started out on the Southern circuits. So, uh, I played in every town that ends in Ville or Borough in the Southern United States. Hmm. And, you know, I tried to do it in, I tried to move to New York for a year and only, it was the worst year of my life. And uh, I moved there when I was 20. And then I moved to San Francisco when I was 21. And then that's where it all came together for me. Hmm. And, uh, that was the point I was going to make. And it's kind of like what you were saying about comedians trying to do a set path. Mm-hmm. Comedians were trying to do it then. And back then, in the 80s, in Florida, everybody wanted to be Jerry Seinfeld. Hmm. So you had all these comedians, it wasn't just Florida, it was all the United States. So you had all these really clean-cut comedians and their jackets and their little thin ties, and they're all out there being clean and cuddly. And, you know, uh, I was more of a Rolling Stones uh, versus the Beatles guy. Uh, you know, I started to grow my hair long because I didn't want to be a um, TV guy. And then oddly enough, I ended up with a sitcom. <laughs> um, but it wasn't what I tried to do. And then, um, you know, just moved back to New York after the sitcom finished. And then I moved, ended up, I started going to London a lot and I started playing in Europe. Uh, which led to me falling in love with a girl in Amsterdam and I moved there. The relationship didn't work out, but then I was uh, magically offered my own late night talk show in Amsterdam. I mean, like, <laughs> if everything that happened to me was because I was following my heart as a stand-up comedian. So I only, I mean, I would move to Africa if I thought it would make me a better stand-up comedian. Mm. Everything I've ever done, and I knew... You know, moving to New York, moving to San Francisco, you know, I, I knew it, it wasn't the smart financial decisions. I've, 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 I've pissed away all of my money traveling as a comedian and trying to get to places. But that allowed me to get in with London and Sydney, Australia, and Hong Kong, and San Francisco, and New York. I mean, so now I can look back and go, oh, yes. I mean, you know, hmm. I, I mean, I, I don't think any of it was planned. The only plan was that I was just following my heart. I just wanted to be, and I still want to be, the greatest comedian alive. And uh, I have not uh, attained that, um, what I think. Um, so it just, it, you know, there's, there's no rest. Just keep pushing, mm-hmm. keep yeah. writing jokes, right. and keep following my heart. Amen, brother. Country where they don't 
don't speak English as their first language might not be a smart career move. Mm-hmm. But magically, I, I, I ended up with a late night talk show there. And then the same network let me do a travel show. So, you know, I mean, it is that goofy, old, stupid adage of, you know, follow your heart and things will work out. That it, yeah. I mean, it did for me. Totally. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, being a comedian down here, it's just a time bomb until people say New York or L.A., New York or L.A. It's not New York or L.A. I mean, guys, you're comedians in Chicago, Seattle. Exactly. It's the, same, like, it's the same dilemma. And then, like, if you're a comedian in Ireland or Australia, there they go, yeah, it's just a matter of time before you got to move to London. So every right. comedian in Australia, it's on the other side of the globe. Mm. You're not considered a great comedian in Australia until you've gone to London. I mean, and even Canadian comedians kind of have that. So, I mean, there's, there's always that thing. But the benefit that you have in Florida mm. is that, that now in Florida, there are quality A-room comedy clubs. When I started out, there was just a couple. Mm. Um, you know, and uh, there was mostly just tough one-nighters all over the state. I mean, and then... Because you have quality A-rooms, you've got quality headliners coming through that you can watch and study. I mean, if you want to be great at anything, you got to study the masters. Mm-hmm. And you got you got to study the, I mean, I, and even the bad comedy you can learn from watching. You can, you can learn what not to do <laughs> by seeing a shitty comedian. But, um, I mean, you would have the luxury of if, you know, whatever, your job or your family, and if you couldn't leave, just being a comedian in Florida wouldn't be that bad because, you know, there's a lot of great rooms there now, there are, which th- didn't exist 20 years ago. It's true, man. There are a lot of great rooms. I'm actually finding myself about to move to Denver. Um, have you been to Denver much or performed there? Yeah, I filmed my hour comedy special in Boulder at the Boulder Theater. It's my special that's on Netflix right now. Oh, nice. Uh, and there's, there's a great comedy scene in Denver. I mean, you know, there's only, you got, you got uh, comedy works and the improv, but mm-hmm. there's, there's tons of alternative rooms right. all around there. I mean, down here we really only have the improv. And then there's a couple other venues that put on shows, but as far as comedy clubs go, and actual, like, organization of the scene is a bit fractured. Um, but that's, the, it's kind of the Wild West mentality, where that's not a great thing, but at the same point you can really use that to you know, whip up a posse and make a big show happen out of nowhere, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, the important thing is, you know, when you're starting out, you have comedians that you respect and admire, you know, like Lisa Correo, Forrest Shaw, you have people like that in your community that you, where you have smart, funny comedians, mm-hmm. you know, that you can talk to about material and different steps in your career. I mean, I remember I was at the, you know, when I started out on the Southern Circuits, you know, my goal was, God, if, if I could just headline all the big cities in the United States, I would, I would, wow, that would be like the greatest. And then I got to that level. And then I, I headlined all of the cities in America 15, 16 times. And then once you get that, you're like, wow, shit. Hmm. God, I'd really like to get in with London. Man, if I could play in Europe, that would be great. And then you get there, and you do that for, you know, years, and then you're like, wow, shit, man, there's a gig in Asia, in Australia, New Zealand. 
I mean, just, you know, hopefully right. you never so, get to the point where you're like, ah, I got it all figured out. I've done everything. Are you, uh, are you driving at the point that you are going to be the first comedian to perform in outer space? <laughs> I think that's what you're trying to tell me right now. Yeah, Tom Rhodes Radio, right? TomRhodesRadio.com, baby. Boom. Um, this week's episode is uh, the former Terrence Trent Darby, who grew up in Deland, Florida, and his name is now Sananda Matreya, and he lives in Milan, Italy. So I had to fly to Milan to interview him. Uh, uh, next week, I, I've got John Cooper Clark. He's an English punk rock poet who uh, used to perform with the Clash and the Sex Pistols when they were club acts. Huh. I met that guy 15 years ago at the Edinburgh Festival, and then I just worked with him again last month in Ireland at this Galway Festival. And uh, last year I had Kim.com when I was in New Zealand, which was amazing. I got to interview him. He's on the FBI Most Wanted list. Oh. He started uh, MegaUpload.com. He's movies were shared and exchanged with no monetary payments going into anyone's pocket. So um, he's a persecuted uh, innovator of the internet. So, I mean, I've got to do all these cool, great things like that. So, um, you know, just experiences and moving forward. And, and then also I, I stopped drinking this year. Oh. I... Um, I was drunk and fell off of a bar stool January 1st in Philadelphia, and I got six stitches on my forehead. Hmm. And um, even though I look like a Bond villain now, I, uh, it's probably one of the best things that ever happened to me. So, well, yeah, what, what changes have you found? Uh, total clarity total. on stage, uh, total recall. Uh, you know, as I'm saying something, I got like, the jokes spinning around on one side of my brain, uh, stories on another, new thoughts. I mean, I mean uh, it's, 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 it's just, huh. you know. I mean, you weren't a big drinker, though, but you were usually less likely to I was a heavy drinker. Drink. I mean, I never had, uh, you know, it was always, I had never, I was, I was never a sloppy drunk on stage. I never got drunk before I went on stage. I mean, mm. Maybe a couple of late shows here and there through the years, but that's bound to happen. Huh. Um, so, so no, I've always been sharp, but it's mm -hmm. now it's I don't know. It just life is is uh, is more productive. I get more things done, and so I you know I I, I think I'm ready to take it uh, to the next level as far as television goes in America, and I've had a nice. Television career outside of the country. So, mm -hmm. um, so, so ideally, ideally, where do you think you would fit in within the spectrum of American television? Your own show, uh, uh, somewhere where you're acting, some kind of hosting, some kind of bit part, some kind of HBO thing. What do you? What tickles your fancy? Well, for the last few years, I've 
where I would be the Anthony Bourdain of comedy, hmm. where he goes around the world checking out food. Uh, I wanted to check out comedy scenes and highlight comedians from all these different countries. But, That's beautiful, um, yeah. But he wants to make that show. So, uh, I don't know. I, um, you know. Oh, oh, and I did a small acting thing on Sullivan and Son earlier this year also. Okay. Uh, right. I don't know. So you just, I mean, I would like to, I would like to do something with, um, with heart and, uh, uh, higher intelligence. Could you, and, um, could you see yourself you in, know. in like a, a Louis Marin, like solo vehicle like that? Yeah, sure. But in a more, <laughs> of course, your own thing, obviously. No one wants to be like, yeah. do the next Louis, but, but just format wise, right? Yeah, okay, well, so you just get in where you fit in, and then maybe one day that passion project, like, once enough people or enough heads, then you can do the the comedy scenes around the world thing? It's like a back pocket project, yeah, I guess? well, all the television I've ever gotten was because someone saw me kicking ass as a stand-up comedian. The sitcom, <laughs> the late-day talk show in Amsterdam, uh, everything I've ever done on television was because... Somebody told me kick it ass as a stand-up comedian. Um, awesome. My high school baseball coach, Howard Maybe, uh, said one time in practice, you should never be trying to hit a home run. A home run should always be the accident of a line drive. You should always be trying to hmm. get solid wood on the ball. And that a home run is an accident of a line drive. So... Hmm. I, you know, you know, as a comedian, you just want to, you just want to smack the shit out of the ball every time you, you get <laughs> up, uh, get up to the plate, and then, you know, somebody will notice somewhere, and the world is smaller now with the internet. So, huh. well, fantastic, Tom. Uh, I, that's probably a pretty good spot unless you know of course if there's anything you want to promote or any anything else you'd like to say or share or you want. You know. Uh, yeah, my podcast, um, The Labor of Love. I don't make any money off of it. TomRoadsRadio.com. Um, you know, I could always use a few more Twitter followers. Mm-hmm. At underscore Tom Rhodes. Because clubs look at your numbers, and that shit is important. Only in that regard that club people measure that shit, and television people. Right. Um, and I've been working on a book for the last couple of years that, um, my best stories traveling the world as a stand-up comedian. So, oh, great. When, um, when are you looking to get that in paper? I, 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 uh, I, I hope that it will come out next year. I hope to, uh, I'm about 80% there, so hopefully... Nice. Um, you got a working title? Uh, Colossus. Colossus. Oh, the roads, right. Colossus of Rhodes. Cool. Well, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I can't thank you enough for your time today. And thank you for, you know, the article and technically being on my podcast, the Casa de Jaja podcast. What's it called? It's called the Casa de Jaja podcast. Uh-huh. It's named right. after a, a room I've been running down here for like six years. Good. Thanks again for your time. So cool to talk to you and phone meet you. And uh, I can't wait to see you out at the shows. Definitely. Great. Okay, Daniel.
thank you so much for uh, for having me and highlighting me and everything. I really appreciate it. So cool. And uh, are, are you going to see Lisa anytime soon? Anytime I can. She's uh, she's the house comic actually at my show, which means she's there every month. But traveling permitted, you know. We'll we'll have okay. her. Okay. I need to. Uh, I need to. I need to get her as a guest on my podcast again for us. Totally. So a good reminder slash excuse to. Uh, yeah. Send the call. There we go. Back at you. Have an awesome day. Yo! Alright! Hey, that was friggin' cool. Man, that was, uh... I've interviewed a couple people on the phone. Comedians that are in the famous category, such as this person. And this is by far the nicest and, and most, uh luxurious time allotted i mean he was totally cool no rush talk about whatever very awesome uh thanks tom rhodes for the interview and thank you lisa correo um for giving me a couple questions on that and thank you dominic perenzin for booking the guy to come down here i know you worked really hard with the have-nots to get him to come down follow do be follow uh, tom rhodes you heard underscore tom rhodes listen to tom rhodes radio soon to feature lisa correo and forrest shaw who just happened to be the first guests i ever had on my pos poscast on my <laughs> which is like that so it's funny these little things are turning the dots connecting and the the longer you stay in the deeper it gets the the more you dive down the hole gets further <laughs> So, thanks everybody. You can wrap things up. Follow me too at Daniel Reskin. And thank you for listening. Have a beautiful stuff.